بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين والصلوات الله وسلامه على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Right folks, so I hope everybody is doing well uh, Alhamdulillah, the, uh, the weather did not affect us as much as we thought that it would And the conditions aren't that bad at all So Alhamdulillah, the lesson is happening live again from Shiro And Zakmullah khair for the folks who came down from wherever they have come down So inshallah, uh, the plan uh, in this session Quick review of what happened last week Because no doubt, uh, local folks yeah, they don't even care about the existence of the online version So I'll give a quick summary And then the and then we'll do today the finishing off effectively of the sajda but what i really want to do today physically is to demonstrate the sajda so it's all about demonstration it's about yani making sure that every aspect of the sajda is understood from the quran and sunnah and there's quite a bit of detail actually in the sajda so uh that, that should take up most of the lesson in any case uh from the uh from the text we are uh, we are, yeah. So we are. ثم يخر مكبرا ساجدا على سبعة أعضاء رجليه ثم ركبتيه ثم يديه ثم جبهته مع أنفه ولوم أحائل ليس من أعضاء سجوده ويجافي عضديه عن جنبيه وبطنه عن فخذيه ويفرق ركبتيه ويقول سبحان ربي الأعلى. So that's what I hope to cover today, inshallah. So that's uh, translated as Yalla Shaykh, come on. So that is translated as uh, Then whilst uttering the takbir, he falls to the floor in prostration onto seven limbs. His two feet, then his two knees, then his two hands, and then his forehead whilst including the nose. This can be onto any surface or covering other than the seven limbs themselves. He lifts his upper arms away from his sides and lifts his stomach up away from his thighs, also whilst keeping his knees apart. He then says, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. That's what we're going to be covering today, inshallah. So what we effectively done last week was the completion of going into sajda. To be honest, when you think about it, from a content point of view, we didn't do so much that last week. I don't know what, what the discussion was about. Mark Huh? Mark Weens. You want to slow down, son? <laughs> Cheeky little fish. That's the one. One little tapper around the edge. Just, I'm so sorry that the camera didn't catch it, but that's, that's who we know as Nika. And Nika just got a good slap around the ear hole from the Don, Amir Sahib Ajmal. Ajmal Sahib, I think one more, one more little tapper. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Duck, yeah. That's right. Wait till we tell your dad. Wait till we tell your dad. Don't worry. Where's Nadim these days? Businessman, isn't it? That's what's happening. You make you, some money's coming to your home. That's the problem. Yeah, that's it. Once the money comes in, everyone then gets a little bit. Now, let me go on there. What is there to be honest? The car, I'm saying. Huh? Yeah, you know, look at his cheeks. What? Yeah, I'm telling. You, I can tell from here. Right? Fruits, cheeks are out here, mate. Right. So, um, yeah, we had a little bit of Mark Green session. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but do I have a conclusion on Mark Green's? I made the conclusion on Monday night. No, Tuesday. 
I think he's just a ridiculously nice guy. That's it. It's as simple as that. Yani, I thought about it, looked at it, and I clicked on a video which says, Welcome to our Thailand house. Let me tour you of my Thailand house, which he's so happy and proud of. Yeah? And he, pay, he, you know, he pays $600 for it a month. And I realized that when he's touring around and he's, he lives with his mother-in-law, I said, Yani, comes over and he's finished. He's finished. He was so happy. He was so happy. Yani, which banda is happy living with his mother-in-law? Yani, who's proud of that? Yeah? But he was like so happy and she's cooking some vegetables and he was so happy that she's cooking. And he's like, you know, the house is miskeen house and he's so, I'm so blessed. And I thought, you know what? He's a nice guy. He's as simple as that. He's a nice... Yani, no, no, no. No, no. He's a millionaire, by the way. I don't care if he's going. Yani, at the moment, he's still advertising his video and he's happy with the house in which the front part, you know, like those Pakistani houses. Bro, he's making money for many years. The guy's a millionaire. And you know what? I'm happy he's a millionaire. Custom, the guy deserves it. Bro, let me tell you what he said. You know the, you know, you know, you know those, you know, like the modern kind of roads in Pakistan houses where they have the front gate and then they have the drive. Yeah, the like a drive part, and then you enter into the house. So he has one of those. His car's parked inside, and then the side of it he uses for his clothes to dry. He had the flipping clothes hangers out, yeah, and he had all the clothes on it. And as he walks in, he goes, loads of space. I'm so blessed. He goes. Wow, look at this space. And he had his clothes up there, like, yeah, and you know, someone who lives in the flat. Yeah? And I thought, you know, but that's he, a simple guy. So he, and he said it's incredible. He goes, it's incredible. Then he looks at a little, little tiny, I'm not even joking, and it's about this space big where his mother in law has planted a bit of uh, danya and stuff like that. And he picks the danya and he eats it, and he calls it arbs, arbs, no H. So he goes, look at these arbs, this is my favorite arb. And he ate it fresh. He goes, wow. And you know, he did his, you know, he did his like, wow. And I realized, you know what it is? I'm just, you know, I'm from a different generation of just too much hate. And he is a new generation of a nice guy, Christian Banda, living in Thailand, just a nice guy. I wish many millions upon him. There you go. All right? I'm done now. That's it. I'm done with the guy. But that means there's no meaning to any of his food reviews, though. <laughs> They're completely bematlab. The guy is just too nice. He's never going to say anything bad. He doesn't. He, he didn't let us down. By the way, he didn't let us down. He didn't let us down. He gave a very good recommendation, Aqsa. Okay, two, uh, two actually, and both did not let us down. So yeah, but that's it. That's it. That's it. We're done with him. Okay, right. So really, the focus last week was upon this concept of uh, making prostration upon things, right? And we've made it clear that it's allowed to do it on a carpet, it's allowed to do it on a rug, it's allowed to do it on a mattress, it's allowed to do anything which is connected to the floor. We also discussed yani, the concept of clothes, and we learned that in the, in the, uh, the intense heat, the companions would take yani, the thobe and they would uh, uh, use it. Yani, they would uh, you know, uh, they'd, you know, they'd, they'd bring the shimar down or they'd bring the imama down and they'd put it there so they can uh, make sajda upon it, only if there was a need. So therefore, we realize that it is makru other than that. Yani, it should not be done unless there's an actual need. Keeping in mind a couple of things. Keeping in mind that there's a lot of movement. Keeping in mind that you're actually preventing yourself from one of the principles of censure, which we're going to come to in a second, which is this complete submission. And, and, and also, most important, the statement of the, of the companions that if we were unable to make such the due to the heat of the ground, 
then this is what we would do, which would indicate that they would try to do it. That was the asal. And it's only when they fail to do that do they then revert to option B. So we can't just start with option B. Um, what about those folks like I was just wearing my jacket now and the hood came over. The first raka'ah, no problem, but the second raka'ah, I was making sense they're completely inside the hood. You know what I mean, all right? And we said last week that this is something which is completely allowed because it's unintentional. It's part and parcel of yani, you know, the actual, uh, uh, the actual thing. You know what? You want to just behave. And then the custom you do. Oh, you're a rock, aren't you? I'm a rock. I know you're a rock. Why are you bring a closed box for and cause a fitna? You're not as well. What the hell's going on, bro? <laughs> Yesterday was catastrophic and then a custom. You know what? When I saw that, when I saw what's going on, you know, it's starting to. I'm starting to actually realize. I'm starting to realize if Liverpool win this, yeah, we will never ever hear the end of it. Like we will never ever recover. The world will never recover. They're not going to win it, bro. Of course they're going to win it. See, I've bought it now. That's it. <laughs> Is he an Aslim or Only 20 quid. Only 20 quid, yeah? That's not on. Lala, please, you've got to stop this behavior. And then the custom you got to. But you know what it is? I'm telling you. Alright. No, 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 honestly. It's quite a stop. I swear it's quite a stop. So, no, 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 nobody's telling you. Nobody's telling you. So name those people who are telling you to bring it. Name. They start the petition. He said they're telling you already. Right, so, so that, and we also know that the, um, that the Prophet ﷺ used to have his own mat. And we also have identified that he used to have something made out of palm fibers that Solange Yani named as a frond, which I do believe is the, I didn't look at it again, but I do believe that is the correct word. And that would be very small, literally just yani, a cutout, just enough for the actual head itself. Okay? Um, and some of these yani, cloth stroke mats, stroke yani, surfaces, were used so much that they had become yani, darkened or black yani, with use. Okay? So uh, that's something I yani, need to keep in mind. Um, uh, wiping the head? You mean like getting dirt off it? Yani if a person goes in. So what we mentioned, uh, oh, so sorry, we took some time speaking about the Shia. That's also important, okay? So um, obviously uh, there's an important aspect here that um, the Shia, of course, are a well-known and defined cult, okay, uh, and a sect, but they are not all the same. The Rafida from them are the extreme deviant yani, form of them. And the Rafida themselves, they have a number of actions, of course, and their aqidah is different. However, what's important, though, is that when you are studying academically, you recognize that the Shia also have a valid school of thought when it comes to fiqh. And uh, the, their fiqh yani, normally returns back to Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq. Okay? And Ja'far al-Sadiq is no joke. He's an imam in fiqh, and he's not yani, of the Shia that the, yani, in terms of aqidah that, that you see today. But I want you to just remember, and this is not a lesson on the Shia, but I do want you to remember that tashayyu, which is... I don't know, like the, the, the precursor to the concept of Shi'ism, okay, Tashayyu, which is what you would be accused of if you were thought to be a Shi'a, 
all right? It's the verbal noun, if you like, tashayyu. That there, there was some tashayyu in him, right? You wouldn't say that about a person today. You would say a person shi'i, right? Or just shite, yeah? Okay? This is my favorite word in all of history. Yeah? Shi'ait, I mean. Of course you can. Why not? Okay? So he's shi'ait, yeah? So shi'i uh, is when you are actually that person. What are you making me laugh for? Like, right? We're doing, we're doing academics here. Okay? So, no, so, but back in the day, you'd say this person has tashayyur. And tashayyur is definitely a characteristic, a sifa, as opposed to a title. Do you understand what I mean? It's like, you know, the, he plays football and he's a footballer. You get what I'm saying? Massive difference between the two, right? So tashayyur would mean that he has indicators of Shiism. Yeah? And in current times, that's a very serious claim because it normally, yani, give kufr upon them, certainly lots of bid'ah. Maybe, yani, you know, uh, lots of haram uh, and, and despicable aspects. But back in the day, in the original time, to have the shayyu simply meant that you thought at the personal level that Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu should have been the, the first khalifa after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know what I'm saying? It was a political statement of little uh, negative impact or little negative... Or, I, don't, I don't say little... But it was not the big issue that it is today. It wasn't an aqidah change. It wasn't a thought of Ali as the imam. It wasn't a thought of, yeah, I need the Ahlul Bayt are to be worshipped, yeah, in, in exclusion to the rest of the companions. It never was a slight upon the other companions. It never was meant to mean a disrespect of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. You get know what I'm saying? So Tashayya was a political kind of leaning, right, with a few other characteristics. So that's important to understand. However, it became clear later as the Shia. Yeah, and it developed as their own sect, and then they started to go to Ali worship and House of Al-Bayt worship and all the nonsense that they fell into, that they started to develop yeah, a more rigid form of theology. And from that theology, that sometimes affects the fiqh. However, the fiqh must be treated, yeah, when we're doing fiqh, when we're doing, especially when we're doing contemporary fiqh, we have to treat the madhab of the Ja'fariya or the Shia from a fiqh point of view, and give it the respect that it deserves. And some of the positions are correct and some aren't. One of their famous and interesting positions is the use of the stone that you would have seen. Right? They do not pray except that they carry a stone with them or a piece of paper of, or some natural substance. They don't consider these are natural substances and they believe that a person must make prostration upon the earth, as is the asl sunnah. Yani, the Prophet ﷺ said, that the earth was made for me a place of prostration and a purifier. Tahura. Okay? So it means pure, but it also means purifying. So you use the earth to clean as well. So if the second part of the hadith is to be taken literally, that it purifies, then it's referring to earth then in the first part as well. That the, mas- that the earth, al-ard, here means dust, means dirt, therefore you prostrate properly upon it and you use it yani, as part of your sajda process. Does that make sense? And so therefore, they say that a natural substance must be put, and they obviously hide it because they don't want to indicate you know, that they're Shia, so that's yani, a different thing, but you will see them yani, very slyly when they come into sajda, they'll quickly pull it out and put it down, and then they lift it up and then, come, and then they put it down again, and that, they'll make sure. And of course, to add to that drama, they will say that it, you know, the better that it is, Yani from a pure place, they take it from Najaf in Iraq, which is like their Mecca, okay? 
and so they will take the stones from there and you know they'll have you know masajid where you can pick up a stone when you enter uh, kind of thing anyway so this argument here makes sense and it has some logic and it's held by some of the kind of the shia scholars however uh, we, as we said very clearly, that the ahadith make it super clear that that's not, a necess uh, not necessary, um, and that the carpets and so on and so forth were used by the Prophet ﷺ, and that it's quite okay for us to use that. However, I will say, as a benefit from understanding the Shia position, that in principle, we are required to minimize yani, too much thinking and too much planning in the sajda process. Okay? When a person falls into sajda, they are falling into sajda first from their heart and second yani, from their components, yani, their physical components. Sheikh Uthameen goes into a big discussion here. He goes, yani, the, one of the big problems of, of many Muslims is that they focus so much on the external and not at all on the internal. The internal reality of the Muslim is that it is their heart which is making sajda. The heart yani, prostrates in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before anything else. Yani, the mind itself and the face itself is the most honored part of the body, right? So you can see that the most honored and respected part of the body goes and touches the ground, which is the lowest part of the, uh, the lowest part that we recognize. It's the place where our feet are. We go down so low that we go to where the location of the people's feet are. We actually prostrate right next to a person's feet as well. We couldn't possibly debase ourselves more in any kind of action other than prostrating. So it's an act of debasement and humiliation. As I said before, that is when it's done to a human being, but when it's done to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then of course it's something completely different because as the Prophet sallallahu said, that no one made sajda to Allah except that Allah raised him uh, by it. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifts that person by it. So that's yani, something which, and the hadith I wanted to read to you, yani, just so that you appreciate that, uh, uh, the hadith is, فَمَا أَحَدٌ that no person humbled themselves yani, before Allah except that Allah raised them. No one raised, uh, humbled themselves before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that Allah raises them. Hadith narrated by Bukhari and uh, narrated by Imam Muslim, um, 2588. And I want you to appreciate this point because the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith that make dua to your Lord wa antasajid, okay? And you are the closest to your Lord wa antasajid. Right, so we have this concept that you are closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you're in sujood, which is logically not correct because we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above, okay, and He's with Sama. And so obviously, He's closer to us, physically speaking, when we are standing. Does that make sense? Yes or no? So if we are physically closer to Allah when we are standing, and yet the Prophet says that we are closer to Allah when we're in sajda, then that indicates very clearly to you that Allah brings you closer to Him even more than your physical distance when you submit yourself to him, subhanahu. And I just really need to make sure that we all appreciate the value of this position of our, of our heads. I mean, we're going to now go into a physical demonstration. We're going to be going through so many things. But what we must not forget is that when you're in sajda, you are in your natural state to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a slave. Everything prostrates. And that's why when you prostrate and you focus too much on my hands and my mat and my cleanliness and whatever, whatnot, you lose the, the prostration of the heart. You lose the naturalness of the mood. That's why so many people argued for the legs, for the knees going down first, and so many people also they argued for the hands going first. Why the hands? They said if you go down the hands, you go down yani, uninhibited. You throw yourself down and you, you stop your hands yani, to hurt yourself. You go down quickly. So that was an argument for them. 
the others used the same argument as well. They said that a person who just collapses without yani, doing it too slow with the hands is showing even more willingness to go to the floor. Yani, what I want to say is that the body's got to show a willingness. And when you start showing that unwillingness, that's the problem. What is unwillingness? Unwillingness is, for example, when the Prophet ﷺ saw the person who had tied their hair okay, up, and he said that this is like the person who prays by holding his arms back, yani, like his making prostration of his shoulders. Yani, meaning a person who's holding back, not, not going down fully. The idea there would be that a person makes sajda, everything makes sajda with him. The clothes make sajda with him, the hair makes sajda with him. So it's makru or haram, according to some scholars, to roll up your clothes just before salah or to tie up your hair just before salah in order to keep them clean. Yani, we, we do have, you know, it, it, the aim of salah is not to make yourself dirty. However, and the Prophet has been narrated enough times to be praying in a clean place and so on and so forth. However, we also have narrations to see that yani, he has prayed in the dirt. We have hadith that, that have seen yani, the dirt on his face. Uh, we have the hadith that shows that he had not just dirt but mud water running down his face on the 21st night of Ramadan when the, 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 the roof caved in and it was raining in Ramadan. And so that, you know, that clearly uh, 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 shows that, you know, that cleanliness is an afterthought. Sajda is meant to be a natural position. At the same time, that doesn't mean that you have to make yourself dirty on purpose. Okay? There's no sunnah to say you intentionally make yourself dirty and you shouldn't use a musalla. But there is a balance there. There are some people, for example, who don't pray without a musalla. They hesitate if there's no janamaz. They, they, they hesitate if there's not, not a mat. This is also wrong. This is also yani, leading to a dangerous situation yani, where you yani, feel that there are requirements before you absolutely submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that balance is important. Sajda is something which is a blessing. Sajda is something that should be increased. There should be a real love for the sajda. The Prophet ﷺ said that the fire will not touch the uh, athar al-sujood, those places that were in sajda. The Prophet ﷺ said that I will recognize the people of sajda uh, uh, on the day of judgment. And despite yani, their, their, their huge numbers, the, Prophet, the companions were amazed how how with so many millions and billions of people and he said that isn't it when a person has a herd of horses and you know they're all so many horses but you can see the styling of the the white yani, marking at the front yani, and it sticks out yani, a mile away and you can see it immediately and they said of course ya Rasulullah that's what we experienced so he said well likewise the, the, every uh, person every believer that comes on that day they will be shining. They will have a ghur. They will have a glow and a shining uh, on their faces from the marks of sajda and on their uh, limbs from their wudu. And al-ghur al-hajjalina, those people, as we mentioned in Kitab al-wudu, who exaggerate and go further and beyond. And when they're making wudu, they're not just seeing as just the washing, but they're thinking that yani, physically. They're, they're, it's almost like yani, they're thinking that this is like light and this is dark. And the more that I'm rubbing, it's making this light up, light up. You're physically seeing it light up. So you go way above and you rub and you go through your fingers and you're watching and you're just imagining it light up. And that is how you'll be recognized. Likewise, the sajda, you should be going full and not just full but hard. Okay? It's an idea that people touch. And I'll cover all of these various yani, uh, narrations. All right? And then in the end, I will show yani, why, it, why it's important. The scholars said that there's a solid touch yani, upon the floor. It's not yani, something which is basic. By the way, also... It's interesting from these hadith that there are people in the hellfire that will be punished from the Muslims, many of them who are practicing. That's also another 
uh, benefit of the hadith. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that whilst they are in the fire, the, the fire will not touch those parts, yet it will touch the rest. And so that indicates yani, that there are people that will be punished for their sins. All right, that's something which is, uh, yani, is, uh, is important yani, from an aqidah point of view. Um, so, you know, so, um, what else did I want to say? Also, I tell you something else which is interesting. That if you think about this uh, uh, salah and uh, sajda and what people speak about, yani, can I make dua yani, in sajda? Can I say um, uh, Quran and so on and so forth? And again, it goes back yani, to the status of the position. You are in a humiliated position. And the hadith is sahih. Uh, Ibn Abbas narrates that we were, we were prohibited to recite the Quran, to recite the Quran in the sajda point. The highest and the, the highest and the most honored position of salah, of salah is qiyam. And the highest and most honored part of dhikr, and of course dhikr fills the, the salah, is Quran as well. And that's why the Quran is recited in qiyam. It's recited in the most honorable position. The prayer is called qiyam. And the sajda though is the most honorable position to be in and the best place for dua and it's when you're closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a position of honor and this is a position of begging, right? And both are super important yani, from a heart point of view, from a mind point of view that you submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I also mentioned before, yani, there are a lot of people that, that also miss the more, uh, the, 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 what's the, maybe I say spiritual, maybe I would say the, uh, this is kind of like a spiritual kind of motivation, what I'm saying. But people miss the theological motivation. The theological motivation is what? That a lot of people, they go through difficulties yani, from a theological nature as well. Some people just need yani, to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's a spiritual one. But there are other people that have doubts and have questions and they can't answer it and they're going through a difficult time. And why me? And why is it so tough? And so on and so forth. And you'll find that those folks who make a lot of sajda, they have less of these questions because they connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala automatically. It's the same as those people who read you know, different things, who come across different articles every day and they share them because you know, they say, look, this is what our Prophet told us. Look, you know, those folks that, uh, people who do intermittent fasting and they realize it's so good, look, our Prophet told us about that, let's share that. Look at, you know, I read a, an article yesterday that said that those people who are early risers and go to sleep uh, 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 early and wake up early have a reduction in senility, Alzheimer's, mental diseases. That's why I'm mental, obviously, okay? And, and, and uh, schizophrenia, yani, huh? can you believe? The people who go to sleep early and, and thingy, that's why I have different split personalities and all that kind of stuff. Where's Dr. Shazad, yani? this is his one time to shine, yani? and he doesn't come. He'd be cussing me silly, by the way, if he was here. He would not be having this kind of talk about mental health. He's not happy with He's so careful with the words. You're not allowed to say insane in front of him, because that's obviously a no-no, isn't it? Politically correct, yani, obviously. You're not to say that was mental, because yeah, it really upsets him, yani, okay? He's got a point. Anyway, and so for example, today I also uh, heard, uh, today I also read that there is something happening to the earth where the magnet poles will be yani, flipped over or something like that. Yani, something is happening, uh, whatever, which is the actual understanding for the sun to one day rise from the west. Yeah, what I mean is that people will hear these things and it gives them sukun, right? The person might, they don't have to have doubts, but. They read something that affirms something which they should be happy with already, but they not. They need a kind of lame dunyai kind of affirmation. So I want to say to you that leave the lame and the dunyai affirmation. The sajda is a 
divine affirmation of everything. Going into sajda is a blessing. People need to spend more time in sajda. It ama amazes me when people don't pr uh, spend time in sajda because it's such a blessing to be there. And uh, I don't mean just theologically. There are people, for you know, I know better than most, when, uh, you know, especially with the rise in injuries and so on and so forth. When you are taken out of going down onto the floor and not making sajda, prayer is horrible. Prayer is horrible, horrible, it's horrible, yani, just having this kind of, you know, movements and not, yani, get. It's only when you go through that do you realize just what an amazingly natural home sajda is. And what you folks shouldn't do is wait for someone like me to tell you that, right? Sorry, you shouldn't be, so you shouldn't be waiting for yourselves to find that out, yani, yourself. You should be listening to me tell you if I've gone through it and just appreciate that position before Allah takes it away from you, before Allah takes it away from you. And, you know, uh, the truth is, is that as surgery becomes more and more easier and as it becomes more of an, an obvious option, there are going to be more knee replacement surgeries than knee repairs. Because most of the knee repairs at this moment are going wrong, yani, you know, within a couple of months or something, they need re-surgery, surgery. So they just replace it with a metal yani, a knee, a job done, and you know, you can't make surgery with that kind of behavior. It's like some lame kind of thing that you do. You can't make a full flexion with that at the moment. So you're going to see this increasing more and more Muslims. You see them taking that that that, that option, and uh, you know, anecdotally speaking, you know, you're seeing all the people on chairs in the in the front row, and that's going to be the reality. And if that's going to hit you soon, take advantage of your sajda as soon as you can. All right, that's my advice. Um, which leads to the next point: What is the ruling with respect to what you make in terms of sajda if you can't? Yeah, I mean, physically from a pain point of view, right? What's the ruling? Do you make sajda or not? And the answer to this depends upon what it is that is actually stopping you. So for example, if you are able, let's say that you are unable to put your head on the floor, okay, for some reason, maybe because of extreme lack of space or because, but mostly because you've got a pain, maybe it's cut or something like that. If you are able to go down to the floor and be closer to sajda than be closer to standing, if you are able to be closer to sajda than to be closer to standing, then you should go down into a pseudo-sajda. And a pseudo-sajda means that if you can't put your arm down, your right hand down, then you keep your right hand up. If you can't put your head down, then you go full into sajda without your head touching the floor. You basically go into a pseudo-sajda, which is closest to sajda, without the thing that you can't do. Because you can pretty much go down to sajda. Because your knees are good. However, if you're, you can't go down, because of your knees, basically, or legs, or whatever it is, you physically can't go down, or you have no space, or whatever. Then, to stay seated or standing, is then the, what you do. You then don't go into the sajda or pseudo sajda. You just stay well away from it, and you indicate. Is that clear? So that's when you'd put your hands out in this manner. You know, for example, if you can't go down at all into any other position, yeah, and if you're sitting on a chair, then you would then indicate in this kind of manner. All right? Does that make sense? Yes? So if you are, if you cannot physically go down towards a seated, kneeling, prostrating position because of your legs and your knees, then you might as well stay up. Whether you're sitting or whether you're standing, that is your sajda. And it's a pseudo one in that sense. Whereas if you can physically go down on your knees, but you can't put your arms, your, he your hands or your head down, then you go as close as possible you make sajda like this, you make sajda one hand, you put your sajda, you, you know, if you have, for example, you know, some people have huge sinus, any problem or some kind of massive headache where they can't, you know, put flat, 
but they can do that for example you know, throbs I can't remember what condition I had once but I had that definitely where I was absolutely mental when I was like this but when I, I did that I was okay I could actually make the sajda so th that's the kind of example as if you can go down then you make the full sajda and the the, the Sheikh Uthameen says the delil for that is that we are meant to fear Allah as much as, much as we possibly can and if we cannot get as close to the complete sajda, then we get to it as, as, as close to the earth as possible. And, uh, uh, and when, you're, uh, when you are... فَيُّمِ الْإِنسَانُ وَلَيَلْزَمْهُ أَنْ يَضَعَ يَلَيْهِ أَوْ رَفْتَيْهَا الْأَرْضِ If you are not able to go down, then you are not obligated to put your knees and your hands يعني, on the floor. Okay? You are not obligated to put your knees or your hands um, on the floor. All right. Uh, the next thing, yeah, yeah. So that's what we covered, actually. Sorry, that's the other thing that we remarked. Flipping wing, fairly gusting. That's what we spent the time speaking about. The whole thing that all the chairs are all over the place, and that we have to. And I don't know. And I know. I think Mesa then mentioned. Yeah, Mesa. I think she put the notes up saying that we have spoken about this in detail. But the point basically being is that the asal is the floor. Okay, we've got to remember that. The asal is not the chair. You know, they get so mad, this whole debate. And there are so many people desperate yani, to keep people on chairs that they actually said, yeah, no, it is the chair because there was no chairs at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Can you believe that? Like, yani, that's where it goes. That's what, that's what we were saying last week. That the asal is the floor. If you can't make sajda, right, it doesn't mean you pray on a chair. It means you pray on the floor. The only time you don't pray on the floor is if you cannot go down to the floor because you can't sit. Or you're so weak and old that you won't be able to get back up. Yeah? So a person has got to, but if a person is able to yani get up at the end of the salah, so he's still weak, but he can get up at the end of the salah, then a person starts praying standing, then goes into ruku'. Allahu Akbar, he goes down into sajda. Okay? Now that he can't get back up, he stays there, he finishes off the whole rest of the prayer down there. He doesn't have to kill himself trying to get up or, or, or go through a lot of pain. His whole prayer then remains sitting down, and he just does that. Then he goes in such. If you can't make such that, he does it all sitting down, and he's just by doing this, you know, all the variations that you do to make the salah look as close as possible to ruku'a and to a sajda. Yani differentiating between the two. When I say close as possible, you don't go mental. Yani, you know, for example, you're in this position and you try yani doing some yoga behavior. I don't know, whatever. That's yani. That, that, that's whatever you do, it still doesn't look like a sajda, right? You know, you see people they go mental on that one, bro. And it doesn't look like a sajda, whatever you're trying to do. So if this is your ruku', this is your, your sujood. This needs another 5-10 centimeters to indicate the difference between the two. That's all you're trying to do. So that's yani, the position on the floor. The chair is to be utilized, as I said, if a person, it hurts or causes damage going down. They don't have the, the muscle strength to be able to let themselves go down. You get what I'm saying? And that's where you utilize the fiqh, that you can use your hands to help you go down first. That's yani, knowing that even though we believe the sunnah to be that knees first, then hands, but if you've got some problem, that's what you allow the hands to be your support for you. You get what I'm saying? All right. Um, so you mentioned the point about the Quran, uh, the sajda, Oh, subhanAllah. So on the issue of the uh, Quran, so the Quran is meant to be kept high and recited, and it's not meant to be brought down into the sajda position. So then, uh, and that's that, and we just got to accept it. So the question then obviously comes back is, what about if I want to make a dua? Okay, and pretty much all the scholars they have allowed the use of Quran in du'a, and because they know that this is the position of du'a, 
and a person is using an ayah in dua, then it's allowed. So most scholars, they said that making a dua is different from reciting. Yani when a person makes dua, he's not intending yani, on getting reward for the recitation of Quran that a person normally does when they're reciting. And he's not, <clears throat> he's not using the dua, or he's not using the ayah in the normal ayah sense of reciting and wanting reward. But he normally chooses the Quranic dua because of its power, because of its simplicity, because of its meaning. I add to that, because just being a bit more cautious, if you change it a little bit, then it just makes it even easier. Right? So the Rabbana Atina Fi Dunya, which is obviously the most yani, obvious one, if you just change it to Allahumma Atina Fi Dunya Hasana, it's still clearly the Quran because it's more than one or two words. Okay? This discussion, this question that comes up, what is the minimum part of the Quran? Yani, what is minimally, minimally considered? The minimum, yani, effectively for a legal verse to have been recited. Well, the answer is in the, in, in the, in the answer is there. It's a verse. It's a complete verse. However, it's true that if the verse is Rabbana atina fid dunya, okay, uh, sorry, if it's uh, if you say Rabbana atina fid dunya, well, that's not part of the verse anyway. It's a portion anyway. All right. And so this discussion, yani, is has yani some debate and it's acceptable. So personally, I think it's okay for a person. To make dua in the sajda using Rabbana Atina uh, by changing it to Allahumma Atina and knowing what? Knowing that you're not reciting Quran per se. But the Sunnah is better. But the Sunnah is better. And that means to stick yani, to non Quran. Okay? Correct, same thing. That's, that, that, that's exactly what the point, that's, that, that's the point uh, that we're making. That when a person's in, uh, in a sajda and they recite an ayah from the Quran in a dua, they're not thinking, all right, let me, I'm pulling out my Quran to get reward. Yeah, and it's a different intention, right? You're using it for dua and to use the Quran in dua is something acceptable. And so that's why they allowed it uh, there. Nice yani, poem that Sheikh Uthameen yani, quotes, by the way. He... Um, he says, yani in commentary to that hadith, that in Allah haram ala nar and ta'kul athar sujood, that Allah has made it haram upon the fire to eat the the effects or the areas of sajda. Uh, hadith was narrated by Bukhari, eight hundred and six, and he then says that, uh, and this is of course referring to the people who enter the fire from those who sin, لِأَنَّ أُصَاتِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ because the, the sin is from the believers, if Allah uh, does not yani, uh, accept their tawbah, Allah, Allah, Allah did not give to, uh, make tawbah of, of them, and their good deeds did not overpower their bad deeds, then these people will be punished in the hellfire according to the level of sin. However, the, pla- the areas of sajda are honored and sacred and the fire is, has been prohibited um, to eat that or to affect it and that is why some of the salaf would say ya rabbi a'adha sujudi a'ataqtaha min fadlika al-wafi wa anta al-baqi wal itqu yasri fi laghani yada laghina famnun ala al-fani bi'itq al-baqi yani it's nice in Arabic beautiful actually but in English O Lord of O owner, O Lord of the limbs of sajda that you have freed from the fire by your grace 
and your generosity and indeed you are the everlasting it's easy for you to free from your richness O owner of richness so uh, be uh, so uh, bless us and have mercy upon us limited ones with the freedom of the the, the rest of the body as well obviously it doesn't work in english yani, but it rhymes yani, very nice min fadlik al-wafi wa anta al-baqi wal itqu yasri fil ghaniya zal ghina famnun ala al-thani bi'itq al-baqi that's obviously one of the styles of poetry to repeat the same word yani, with a complete different meaning anta al-baqi means referring to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is al-baqi he is the everlasting and we are al-thani we are the ones yani, who will, will disintegrate and al-baqi here referring to the rest of the limbs of the sajda anyway we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to free us min al-taqa'i ramadan and al-nar yani not just yani from the, those people who are freed yani in ramadan but also from the to be freed from the hellfire so Chief, uh, this is as a jew what are they in which will be saved because as for the dua in sajda sajda alladhi khalaqahu wa sawahu yeah. So does that mean it expands to all of that? So good question, right? Abdul Nasser is asking a question, Yani, that what actually are the are, are parts of sajda that will be saved? Is there a text? There is no text that indicates it to that detail. And correct, the the discussion will then will then go will will then uh, the discussion will then bow, will revolve around supporting a hadith that would indicate that it's more than just the obvious Yani. The, the, the forehead and the nose and the hands and uh, the seven limbs, which is what you'd think. But as you said, sajda uh, wajhi, okay? So uh, the Prophet ﷺ said in the dua that my face has made sajda, all right? And that would indicate, therefore, the whole face would also make sajda. But the, also the hadith then also indicates in other hadith that my hearing and my seeing and my, you know, has made sajda. So is that referring to then the rest of the body? That would indicate why a person should be making sure that their internals make sajda to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before the obvious. And that, yani, from the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is not difficult upon him to free the entire person who is yani, making sajda from the heart. You know what I'm saying? So that's obviously an indication that we should be concerned more with the batin and not yani, so much on the external. However, there's a balance, and that's what we're going to speak about now. So what does he say? Okay, and so what he does is that his uh, arms he keeps separate from his sides. So the arms are to be kept kept separate from the sides as far away as possible. And this has been narrated from the Prophet ﷺ that he used to do that so much so that the companions The hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed. Uh, volume 5, uh, Hadith uh, 30, and in other uh, narration and other collections as well, that the Prophet ﷺ would exaggerate his distance from his arms, from his body, so much so that the companions would have pity upon him, like as if he was straining so much to keep it yani, separate. So that's something which is a very clear sunnah. And it was so much so that they were able to see the whiteness of his they, they could see the whiteness of his armpits because of course he would pluck his armpits as is the sunnah and therefore they could see yani, because cloth is yani, like, a, like a premium and so you would imagine yani, that there's very little yani, you know you could see literally the, the armpit when they're making sajda behind so there's nothing you know like cut like a person when, 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 when they've got yani, short clothes and so on and 
So there are some that said that, that that indicates the cloth there. There are others that indicate that it's not yani, a fitted cloth. So for example, when you make ihram, you've seen, isn't it, that when you put ihram on, even though it's one big whole thing that you put on, when you make sajda, you can still see like underneath it. You get what I'm saying? So uh, I think that that's actually more closer as opposed to, you know, a lot of people look at this and they wear this, they think this is a sunnah or something like that. This is not the sunnah. You know, this kind of tailoring and, you know, sleeves and all these pockets and, you know, this design and cut and body. This is not something which was known at that time or wasn't something that they used to focus on. It would just mostly be functional. And so the point is that even if you wrap a cloth around you, the point is because it's just a loose cloth and it's not you know, attached to the body here and it doesn't have this kind of junction so that it stays close, then when you have that yani, th uh, ihram or that uh, izar, yani, that uh, rida, the top part, when you are in that sajda position, everything then lifts and you can see the stomach, you can see the ribs, and you can see underneath and the armpits. And that's what I think yani, is happening there. And also what is in, in, important in the other hadith, which is narrated by Imam Muslim, hadith number 496, that he would be so separate that there was enough space Yani for a lamb to go underneath him. A lamb to be able to go underneath him. That was how much space there was in between the body. Yani the arms and the chest and the thighs. And that's why he now says, So the stomach is kept away from the chest, the, the, the thighs. Okay? So there is not, yani as I will indicate, Basically, you know, like how our aunties and our Pakistani women and actually all women pray. They, they curl up. And when they curl up, when women curl up to pray in that cultural kind of way that they're taught how to, they've been taught specifically to close their body and make everything yani, as one unit because of their anatomy. They don't want their chest to be exposed. They don't want yani, hanging parts, etc., etc. So they close up and they bring their knees also so they do, they do two things. They do, the first thing which they do opposite to this is their chest yani, touches the stomach, it touches their thighs, but also the knees, the knees touch yani, the, uh, the, the, the shins, if you like, touch the thighs as well. Everything closes down. Everything. It, it basically like as if you're turning into a ball. And so if you turn into a ball, then you understand exactly what we're talking about. If you imagine yani, just curling into a ball and going forward, <clears throat> everything is brought in. So the exact opposite of what the hadith actually is saying, uh, uh, exact opposite of what the, the, the sheikh is saying and what is indicated by the hadith. So let's, 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 like, uh, let's just look at some of the narrations that make this uh, clear. He says, um, uh, So therefore, lift the stomach away from the thighs. So therefore, we have three things that are done. First of all, at tajafi bi adudaini, this is the top of one six one, one two one. Sorry, uh, uh, that the the uh, arms are away from the sides, the stomach is away from the thighs, and the thigh, the thighs are away from the uh, saqin. Uh, what's this? Yeah? Shins or legs? I would say the bottom part. So the top part is a, the top part of the legs is separate from the bottom part, which I will indicate in a, in a second. And that is why the Prophet sallallahu said, "Atadilu fi sujud." A Yani, and straighten yourselves in the uh, sajda. Yani, make yourselves yani, balanced. Okay? Yani, make your sajda mu'atadal. Yani, balanced out. Uh, and don't allow yani, your stomach yani, to just collapse or the, the, the thighs on the whatever. And also, so don't come too close. And also, don't stretch out. 
all right? And stretching out basically means la tamtad. And you will see people, especially people who start practicing new, that they do that whole mental kind of sajda, where they're almost like yeah, they're parallel to the floor. They stretch out super high. And I'll, I'll show that in a second as well. And this is yeah, no doubt a bid'ah. And it's not the sunnah because of what is narrated from the Prophet ﷺ and from the companions that never did any single person ever straighten their, their back to that level. They straightened their back, they kept their back straight, but they didn't make it straight. They didn't go down in line with the floor. Is that clear? And also, And he keeps the knees apart, meaning that you don't make sajda with the knees together. You get what I'm saying? You don't make a sajda with the actual knees. You know what, you know what I mean? And just imagine you're sitting down and your knees are yani, just, just completely together. You don't do that. You have your knees separate, just like you're in tashahud. Okay? Um, the question, that's, that's easy and I think everybody knows that, yani, just generally. The real discussion is going to come about the feet. Should the feet be together or not? So when you're in sajda, should the feet be the same distance as you see the majority of the Muslims doing and where you see the feet position is when you're sitting on your left and you've got your right one up and in line with the actual legs, is that where the feet should be? Or should the feet be brought together? So you still keep your knees separate, but your feet are kept together in sajda, as I'm going to show. And you have a number of positions. Uh, you, have, you have two opinions, sorry. And the first position is that of the scholars that said that you keep the, uh, the, the, legs, uh, the, the feet open as well, because the feet follow the, 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 the shins and the knees and the thighs. And if it was the sunnah, if it was the sunnah, to keep them, uh, 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 if it was a sunnah to keep them together, then the rest should have been then together as well. And because the legs are separate, then the feet should be separate. And they even said that you need to keep a minimum hand span of uh, one hand. Some of the scholars, yani, to make sure it's a clear difference to make it as close as possible to the feet, there should be one span, one hand span. That's why you see the people have their feet yani, apart. Uh, however, the second position seems to have a lot of evidence. Okay. And Sheikh says that uh, what seems apparent to be from the Sunnah is that you put them together, yani, touching. Marsul Satan, yani, together, solid. Okay? And when you're in this position, uh, close to each other, uh, this is yani, the Sunnah. And his evidence is one direct, one indirect. One, I think, weak istidlal, and the other one, yani, a strong one. The weak one is a hadith which is in Bukhari and it is Sahih. Actually narrated in Muslim, but I beg your pardon, I thought it was in Bukhari, but it's in Muslim. Hadith number 486. And this is the famous hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha waking up one time in the night and she couldn't find the Prophet sallallahu She yani, went yani, to check where he is and he wasn't there. And as she's panicked, yani, where is he? So you know, obviously there's no lights or anything, so she's done this. And as she, they sleep on the floor, then there's no beds, yeah? So she's on the floor, he was on the floor sleeping. And you know, the small size of the room, very small room, everything like that. And when she can't feel him, she's gone like this. And she felt his two feet in sajda, one hand. And so Uthaymeen says that two feet, one hand, indicates that they were together. The hadith, this narration doesn't say that they were both, yani, you know, touching. But that uh, uh, specifically, فَوَقَعَتْ يَدَهُ عَلَىٰ بَطْنِ قَدَمَيْهِ he said basically that when she touched her two, she felt her two feet. She felt his two feet. If she felt his two feet with one hand, it would be indic and they were upright. That's what she said. 
upright feet. Yani this. So the indication is that with one hand she's felt both heels basically. Okay? And, and that's it. The truth is, is that it's possible for them to be upright and she waved her hand over the, you know, that's possible interpretation. That's why we say this is indirect hadith. But then we have another hadith which is narrated by Ibn Khuzayma and hadith insha'Allah Sahih that the Prophet ﷺ kana rasan aqibayhi. Yani that his ankles used to be touching when he used to be praying. So yani there is direct evidence as well that he would sit like that. This hadith, by the way, narrated by Ibn Khuzayma, uh, hadith number uh, in his Sahih, by hadith number 654. Also narrated by Imam al-Hakim, hadith number 228, volume 1. And he said that this is Sahih according to the conditions of a shaykhain, even though they did not narrate it. Obviously, you know, this statement by al-Hakim is very common and it's to be taken with a big pinch of salt. He's very, very yani, easygoing in making hadith sahih. And he makes this big claim that this would have been authentic according to the two conditions of Bukhari. We will ask him, then why didn't Bukhari then yani, include it? But this is the, yani, the normal style. And in, in any case, al-Hakim, yani, we don't yani, lose our mind over that. The hadith, inshallah, seems sahih. What's the sunnah then? It seems that it's together, but there's no doubt that it's not the most strongest of evidences. Yani, and, and, and so therefore, keeping the feet apart is something which is uh, fine. And Sheikh says, the one thing that he didn't mention is the position of the hands. The position of the hands here, but we know that at the beginning of the chapter, he did. He said that this is the position, yani, when you lift your hands to the shoulders, this is the position at the beginning of the Salah in Sajdah. Do you remember we covered that? And so we know that in Sajdah, to have your hands yani, at the position of your soldiers, is, is, shoulders is acceptable. But Sheikh Uthameen says a very nice point, which I appreciate. He goes that, uh, but also, uh, if it's yani, a little bit forward, a little bit closer to the head, or a little bit closer to the ears, or the bottom of the ears, the hands, and this is okay as well, because this is what has been narrated from the Sunnah, which has been narrated from the Sunnah in the Takbir, as well as in Sajdah. So this little bit of flexibility is, allow, is allowed. To finish off with the text before I, sh I demonstrate, Sheikh says, what about if a, uh, your, you, you know, the Sajdah becomes so long? If the Sajdah becomes so long, are you allowed to, um, are you allowed to, uh, put your uh, elbows down because it's become tired. Because it's, yani, it, it, they even, it, I don't know, Lala will tell us, I think, yani. No, no, because I know he does this kind of press-ups where they don't even do a proper press-up. Is that true? That you, it, what's the point of that press-up where you just do a press-up without your body being doing the press-up? <laughs> but you see that though, yeah? And it's like some part of, yani, they even go down and stuff. Yeah, but the body is touching. Pretend yeah, pretend or whatever. Don't say that you don't do that like, in warm up or whatever. No? So, anyway, he's basically saying that what if you become so tired? Are you allowed to put your arms uh, down? Yani, your, your arms flat. And the. Uh, that shouldn't happen, of course. That should, that's not allowed to happen because the Prophet ﷺ prohibited that a person, he uh, spreads out his arms like the spreading of the dog. So, you know, a dog, yani, when it sits down, it puts its elbows down on the floor. Is that something which is impermissible? And so you shouldn't yani, put them down. However, um, if a per some of the fuqaha, they said that if a person has become tired, then he puts his, uh, his uh, elbows in and rests on his knees. Why is he in sajda? just to give his arms a bit of yani, rest. Okay? 
Sheikh says that, and then says something funny. He goes that, you know, he goes, this is only, of course, if you're in a jama'ah. He goes, if you're praying by yourself, then what on earth are you doing any, making sajda so long that your arms are hurting? He goes, it's not allowed any for you to be making sajda that long and creating this level of difficulty for yourself when all you do is just stop your sajda. Khalas, that's the end of the story, right? So that's that. The other thing that Sheikh says is that this is all the sunnah for an individual. If they're in a jama'ah, then please, yani, don't freak us out by sticking your elbows in our, in our thingies. Big, big muslim, yeah? Huh. <laughs> Strong guy. I will have no word, no bad words said against our African brothers. <laughs> Strong bones. Strong bones, okay. Big guy, Nigerian. But strong. Okay. Okay, like a rock. Oof. Yeah, and you mean you pushed back at his elbow? Yeah. That's permissible. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Don't feel bad, bro. <laughs> Only 20 seconds. That's why you should never feel bad. No, so on that point, obviously, if someone does that, it, it, this is other. Yeah, yeah, some people, they just, I mean, you know, to be honest, some people don't even realize. Okay? They don't even realize. And, you know, it's a natural position. And uh, actually, there, there's a point that needs to be said. First of all, it's not allowed to do. Because these are acts of sunnah. They're not a condition of the sajda. So if you had your elbows in, yani your sajda is still a valid sajda. But this is what maintains it and makes it maximum reward as a sajda. If you were, for example, to put it in in order to not harm the person, you have done something which is recommended. Yani you are not allowed, or even wajib, where it is makruh to cause harm to another person. It's obligatory to protect them. And so you are more rewarded. Sheikh Al-Athameen makes a really nice point. He goes, even if something's a well-established sunnah, if you leave a sunnah in order to not cause a problem, okay, then you'll be rewarded even more for it. Because of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which is one of my favorite hadith, and you should all know this hadith okay, at all times. إِذَا مَرِّدَ الْعَبْدَ أَوْ سَافَرْ كُتِبَ لَهُ مَثْلُ مَا كَانَ يَعْمَلُ مُقِيمًا صَحِيحًا Hadith narrated by Bukhari in the book of Jihad, hadith number 2996, that if my servant becomes ill or he goes on a journey, on a safar, he will get the full reward of what he used to do when he was in health whilst at home. You know what I'm saying? That's why it's sunnah to always do a maximum ibadah when you are at home. That is the time you've got no excuse. You should be praying as much sunnah as possible. When you are not ill, you make as much deen and ibadah and salah as much as possible so that when you do end up traveling, then you're not going to pray the sunnah. You're going to reduce yani. You might not pray the prayers on time. You're not going to get sin for it. You get actually reward for it as if you're praying the sunnah without praying the sunnah. And if you are ill and you can't do something. So this is important. So when you are unable to do a sunnah because of the people around you and you leave it, you'll get the reward of doing that sunnah because you left it for those people's sake. So... That's something which is important. On the issue of pushing back or yani, you know, correcting people, this is allowed yani, for one, to stop a harm, and two, to correct yani, a line or something when, it's, when the movement itself doesn't cause a bigger problem. The truth is, is that if a person was to push you, okay, and you push back, they will most of the time realize that they caused a, a, a problem and a harm, and that's the end of the story. You get what I'm saying? Which is why it's allowed to do that yani, act or to kind of push someone forward, or to push any yani minimum that doesn't yani lead to you doing lots of things. 
You know what I'm saying? Lala, come and set this thing up now. Uh, Are we doing here? Here? Okay. So I want to indicate a few important points yani, in the practical so that everybody sees me do these uh, positions and also appreciates yani, the uh, points that are danger points, if you like, or points where there are some issues. Huh? Oh, uh, you're not going to move? Yeah. Uh, no? Okay, so. Right. Sorry, move so yeah, so you folks, yeah, need, you guys wouldn't obviously see, but okay. So you you don't want to turn this camera around. I, I fix one. Okay. So the main, the, the first thing I want to uh, uh, make it clear is when you go into sajda, okay, that this idea of order, knees, hands, and then this, okay. The first, the first point is I guess seeing from the front. From the front is the shape of the back. Okay, so the shape of the back is to be straight, but not with the, not parallel with the ground. So this is straight. You can't. You, know, you might say this is not straight. There's you know there's there's some kind of you know there's imperfection or whatever whatnot. The only way to get this back straight is to do this. You know what I'm saying, right? And that is something which is nonsense. And that's why you see those people who do that, and that's something which is unacceptable. Right, to have this kind of approach where people are spreading themselves out as far as possible so they go down like this that's the only way that you're going to get the back straighter so that's not a normal position your sajda position is roughly يعني, your normal body length twice so if you're sitting down another one of you so you'll come down okay if I come here and I now go into sajda in this position here then this is my my takbir of my shoulders yeah, takbir of my shoulders. I can go further, and that will be here. You see this position? This is now my hands of my, of my ears. Okay, so I can keep it in that, that position there. The key is the separation from the sides. Okay, that is important. Now here, this is too short. Okay, normally when a person's making uh, making sajda, they will keep their arms down and in this position here. Now, the, the, I want you to look at this position. My back is straight. This is what is meant to be by straight. It's not yani be, it doesn't mean anything else. The balance is that my arms are away, okay, from my side. Okay, you can see the the, the distance between. Okay? My stomach, yani, may Allah forgive it. Don't yani close up. Yeah, let me breathe in first, one second. Okay, there you go. Right. <laughs> nice close up there. Yeah. Thank you very much, Peaky Paddy. Right? So there's there's the thigh. I should want to bag your soul, isn't it? Yeah? You can't get any baggy in that one. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> 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 no, no. Well, you're not that. No need. It's a compliment. If it's baggy, it means that you're thin underneath. So this there is a gap yani, between the stomach and the floor and the stomach and the thingy. Now, here is how the gap is closed. Now my stomach is touching. So look at that. This is now what I was saying earlier on. My, 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 my stomach, my, my, uh, yeah, my stomach is now touching my thighs. Now it's even more touching. You get what I'm saying? And now you're seeing the point of my bottom legs touching the, 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 the... So you know like the women pray. When a woman comes down, because of her anatomy, the way that she's taught in the four schools of fiqh, fiqh by the way, this is not some random position. I said pack women, then I corrected myself. Actually, all women in all of the four schools of thought, they are told to come down. Okay, you'll see your mums and grandmums praying like this. They'll come down. They will seat 
Yeah, and you get themselves full. Now there's full contact. Can you see that? Yeah, that's now the first thing that we said shouldn't happen. And then you've got the stomach now. That will come down. And then we'll go into sajda like this. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay? Yeah, and the variations of this. They would, they would tuck their arms in, protecting the chest. Okay? And they'll keep everything tight. That's, yani, again, that's reminiscent of yani, when they're making their, their rafa'idain, they also do it like this. Again, protecting the chest. It's a conceptual idea of protecting the aura, of maintaining modesty, uh, etc. So, you know, the problem with this, of course, is that, as we said before, is that, um, well, we haven't actually, have we said before? Have we covered female salah? We have? Yeah, and the, main, the, 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 the main point uh, on this debate is, is that we will proceed in this class upon the understanding and the, and the belief that it is sunnah to pray exactly the same for men and for women. That's yani, the basis. Okay? Men and women are exactly the same prayer until we come an, across an evidence in our class that changes it. Even though the four schools of thought, they say that the women's prayer is different because of their understanding. The truth is, is that I will tell you in advance before we come to that section that there is no evidence from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that he told women to pray different. The khitab was general and everyone is told to do the same. And from an aql point of view, if you are trying to protect your body and all the rest of it, okay, when women are praying uh, alone, who are they protecting their body from? Okay? It doesn't make any sense. Alright? There is... So, you know, for example, when it comes to the hijab, a person, woman could say, who am I protecting my body from? Who am I covering from when I'm praying alone? The difference there is that Allah has commanded for it to be worn and covered in Quran and in Sunnah, yani whilst woman is alone. So that is something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we want the body to be protected, then we still, we want same from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, same ayat, same hadith, we have nothing. We have nothing. So therefore the scholars are just using their own little kind of opinion saying, we should yani, honor the woman and protect her, etc., etc. You, you get what I'm saying, folks? Yeah. So that's why. According to us, she will pray exactly like this. She will also have her knees separate, okay? And she will have her arms away from her body, and she will plant herself yani, clear, and there is pressure. It's not just like this. You know, you see people pray like this. They're bringing yani, more pressure upon the arms, and they're just touching. No, plant the head. The head is planted, solid. You see how the body rocks forward, okay? Shoulders like this. This is enough space right here now because of the openness of my position, okay? That if I was wearing like no sleeves or anything, you could see my armpits from here. And this is even more so. If you want to do this, this is also permissible. This is the exact yani, statement that the companions used to say that he used to put so much pressure upon his yani, uh, uh, spread out that they, could, they felt sorry for him. So this is okay as well, all right? And the key here is that there's enough space for something to come underneath. Now, the points I want to focus on is the solidness of the ground. I want you to see that uh, my feet. Now, one of the mistakes, okay, I want you to focus on the feet now. One of the mistakes, of course, that we have in, 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 um, in Salah. Is people doing this, just touching, okay? Just touching. And we've said, Yanni, before that, you know, people, they, they are itching. So when you itch, when you do this, when you do this act here, this is you, by definition, making sajda upon yourself. This is what the text says that is not allowed. Making sajda upon the limbs of sajda. This foot is making sajda here, not allowed. It has to be on the floor. And as we said, the discussion is, is that whether this comes off for a second, does that invalidate it or not? There are two opinions. Some said yes. We said that if a person is able to say Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la 
for that period of time, for the majority of the sajda, uh, whilst the foot is down, then the, 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 the prayer is authentic and it's correct. So that's the, 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 the fact. But still, we've got to make sure that we don't have this kind of you know, approach. You've got some people who lift it up entirely, and then others like that. The hadith make it very clear that the Prophet's toes were planted. You see this now? Because this, this qadam here was on the floor. So this was on the floor. So you've got to keep it solid. So whether you are like this position, okay, or whether you are in this position, it is sunnah, even though this is permissible, but it is sunnah to be solid. Hit the feet, Shaz, hit the feet. What do you mean, do? Hit the feet, you have to push the feet. It's got to be solid, you know, from the side, from the side. It can't just be, you know, be pushed away. It can't be just, you know, light that is being pushed away. It's got to be planted. Every part of the body has to be planted and solid. Alright, so those are the feet, and this is what we mean by putting them together. This is the heels, you know, being put together. So those are the key aspects of the uh, salah that we described. What was the other issue? So feet being uh, uh, bent, yeah, uh, toes being bent, I mean, okay, uh, uh, trying to get this ball of the, the foot, is this called the ball? The ball, yeah. So the ball of the foot, yeah, to be uh, 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 touching as much as possible, yeah. Not spreading out too much extreme, keeping your position. And obviously, as I said, this is in a normal, this is in a normal scenario. This is normal scenario. If, yeah, for example, we've got people, then you can keep your arms together. If there's a little bit of space, then. But you always try to still make sure that your sajda is as close to the sunnah as possible with the fact that people are around. Really, the only part that you would be lenient on is bringing your arms in. So you'd bring your arms in, but you'd still maintain yani, your shape. The, the, the mistake of the people who do this, okay, is like this, that's obvious, and you do see people do this. But what you're seeing is people do this as well. You see, technically, the elbows are off the floor, but this is, this is against the sunnah. I've seen people in this masjid, yani, from, from this group here, do, do salah like that. Okay? And this, this here, the problem with this is that there's nothing that's going underneath your arms. Yeah, and if you keep your arms in this position, even though your elbows are off the floor, and you've technically done a sajda, but there's no way that there is a lamb that's going through that. Because it's so close to the floor. So it's not just this which is a problem, but this is also a problem. You need to have it above, so there's proper space. Are we happy with that, folks? Yeah? Everybody happy with that? Any questions uh, about the physical aspect? So now you know, men and women the same. The issues, the are, 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 there's no evidence to suggest it should be different, although we understand, and we'll come to that in this uh, place. Uh, the solidness of the, of the touching on the floor. Any questions online? I think the fingers maybe. Ah, yeah. Uh, we have other hadith that everything that was, the, uh, was pointed towards a qibla. So you wouldn't do this. You know, you do see, that's a good point, that you know when people open up their arms, Okay, just imagine, yeah, the more you open up your arms, your, arms, your fingers go like this. So that your hands yeah, are, are not, they're kind of almost like this, or like that. That's not correct. Your fingers should be towards the qibla, your toes should be towards the qibla. Alright, so when you're putting your toes down, they are towards the qibla. Likewise, when you are making nafam. Okay, so for example, when you are put, putting this down and your toes are towards qibla, likewise, the indication is like this. When you're sitting down, these toes are as best as possible. They're pointing towards the qibla. All right? These are my, you know, 
you, if you have this situation here, the, to the toes are not. This is a sunnah I'm talking about. You need to have the actual yani, toes going straight in. Yani, to, as, as, as much as possible. And that's why yani, you see, you see, and this is important to practice, especially when young. Because obviously when you start later on, then it's not possible. It hurts too much, right? So everything is to be going straight, fingers to be going straight. Okay, so... <coughs> so there's some <coughs> questions here. Sorry? Yeah, good. Also, the fingers, there's no evidence that it's meant to be, it's the same as in the ruku' actually. Not spread out wide, not yani, closed, just normal. Yani, it's not yani, you know, it's not like this, and it's not like this, and it's not like that, it's just normal. Okay? So, if the female is praying in public, no, she shouldn't change her position. There's no evidence to indicate that. Uh, that's our, uh, our point is that there's no evidence for it. If a person did it, her, her sajda is still valid. Because none of these things that I mentioned, putting her arms in, and, and uh, 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 putting her arms in, putting her arms on the floor, they don't invalidate the sajda. As long as everything touches the floor, it's just a poor sajda. Okay? Why should, uh, you said, why should a woman be keeping everything close and she would be praying alone? Isn't the asr for the woman's prayer to be in the masjid also? And therefore the asr for the woman is to not be alone, but in jama'ah with the rest of the Muslims. That's what I think. I, exactly what Nabi just said, that's what I think. Uh, if I've understood what he, he's saying, that there is no evidence for the woman to be alone as an asr. Uh, when you said the four schools of thought all prescribe that the woman is more close in her positioning in sujood, and this is based upon an aqli issue rather than anything from the sunnah, what exactly did they describe in how close she should be? And did all four agree on the level of closeness? So this is a very good question. The answer is no. They didn't because they can't, because there's no subjective standard. There's no objective standard. They, they are all putting forward their, their projection for how close the woman should be. So th there are some common parts, like I mentioned about yani, the chest especially being covered. Does this happen in anywhere else in fiqh where something is extrapolated from a purely ugly basis without anything from sunnah to back it up? Yes, it does happen in fiqh, and it's only in fiqh that it happens because they've got the permission and the flexibility to do this kind of any personal reasoning based upon the general interest. And also, Sumaira, what's important is that they normally don't do that unless they've got some kind of indication from the Salaf. And there are some narrations from the Salaf. Even there's one weak narration from Umm Salama as well, radiallahu anha, that she used to do something like that. But it's not very authentic. Remember, this still will go back to authentic narrations, authentic hadith and authentic athar from Sahaba and actions of the Salaf. It will still go back yani, as an indicator. Remember, as we said before, that when you want to have an opinion, if you have a salaf for your opinion, a precedent, you're always feeling confident to go forward, whatever your level of imam and your leadership is. Without a salaf, people are not yani, so uh, confident. Okay, I think we're done, yeah, about the, the physical things, yeah? Okay, so let's just now just respond to the uh, remaining questions, and then we can call it a night and go home and hopefully yani, see some good news. Yani, uh, Lester, yani, battered yani, those scouse rats, yeah? Okay, you got to tell me. You can ruin my day, it's alright. My day is ruined anyway because, like I tell everyone, I've been telling everyone for all of my life that there never in the history of cricketing and opening batsmen has there been a batsman like Fakhr Zaman who gets hit so much on his head. He is so poor, he just swings at everything. And I'm not even joking, in every single innings, he gets maybe hit on his head two or three times. <laughs> It's a miracle. You know, I was listening to him and Ramiz Raja, basically. So he got smacked bang on. SubhanAllah, the peak saved him. Peak, it was stained. And he saved him. Qasim, it saved him. And, and anyway, so then, he, then I wanted the others. Rabaja, yeah. 
hit him, and he hit him on the. He done a, he, you know, he, he done his whole little swing, missed it completely, got hit in the body. And Rabiz Raja goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, Fakhar Zaman has this habit to being pinned on the body. I said, Lala, that's the understatement of this world. Anyway, I'm all in a bad mood because we got battered. So add to the bad mood. What's the score? Say Kassam! And Chelsea, tell me they're losing. Winning. Say Kassam, seriously, don't mess around. They're losing 4 0. Oh my god. You know, we might make this fourth place, by the way. I like Oligana Sosuke saying it's not about fourth place, it's about winning trophies. Bro, let's just get us in the fourth place. Then we'll talk about trophies afterwards. So we passed Arsenal. So who's come down then? Oh, Chelsea. No, I don't get that. Oh, we're, we're nowhere near fourth. We're at Chelsea. All right, I'm with you. Okay. So it's not a bad night then. Okay, good. Right, let's deal with some of these questions then. Actually, a couple of things you said there. Yeah. In terms of the no, you mentioned people lifting their hands open the forehead. And the secondly, about the eyes being open. The eyes, yeah. So the, it's a good question about the eyes. I'm telling you, we're not doing this. Celebrating that. They're one all. I will not be part of this bidah. I'm telling you, I'm a rock. Uh, let me make my decision on this one a little while. <laughs> eyes and should remain open. Okay, there's no evidence that the eyes should be closed. All right, but obviously, obviously, from an aqli point of view, the eyes being closed in the sajda is less yani, harmful or less against the sunnah than being open. There's the yani, because one of the main, the, the two main, why are two main reasons that we don't close the eyes? One, because the Prophet is not narrated to have closed the eyes, yet we don't have any evidence for him from the sajda. So it's just assumption based. And the second is the aqli reason so that you can see and make moves and react to the prayer like you should. There's nothing to react to in a sajda. Would, that, would, the evidence, would be the evidence put forward. However, we would respond and say, in the lack of evidence, the asr is the eyes are open, so the eyes should remain open. And aqli, it's possible something could happen in sajda, why not? Right? that you would see. Like I was in such that my eyes are open, I could see around me. You know what I'm saying? So I think you should remain open. Allah knows best. Okay? Um, could that down, Allah cut down? Uh, to go over the section that you missed, the bottom paragraph of page 102 to bottom of 113. We are 121, Lala. Can you any do... Lala, you know what? We need to do this page apparently, okay? I don't know what it is. But I'm not, definitely not doing it now. So just remind me. No, he needs to. That's obviously what he's doing wrong, isn't it? He's posting it next week when it's too late. You need to remind me to have a look at what's going on. Announcements of. Oh, uh, listen, folks. Those who are able to transcribe, especially online, I'm talking about those who are ready to volunteer and help our team. By the way, you know that the, the website has changed significantly in this last week, right? So the website now has got all of the lessons up, the transcribed notes up, yani all of the full, yani it's mashallah tabarakallah. It is mashallah tabarakallah at the moment. So, but that's a huge effort upon the transcribing team. They need more volunteers. So especially anyone online, because these lot of bunch of lazy packages just turn up and eat the food. They do absolutely nothing. They don't even watch the flipping lessons. I swear the worst students are the ones who are here. The worst. They don't make any attempt when I'm not away to keep the, the lessons yani, in check at all. Okay. And those online, they're keeping in the game. So if you can, then they should email lpnotetakers at gmail.com, yeah? Yeah, 
Okay, so put the thing in. LPNoteTakers at gmail.com. LPNoteTakers at gmail.com. Shazad Salim <laughs> is about to write that email down. Please, if you have some time, then join uh, the team. And just to help out in a little bit of transcribing. Just a little bit of time. Um, if it's been answered, if you pray without a musalla and you use your, yes, I did answer that question, Fatima, last week. All right? And you use your hijab and you use it for your face. Is this something without a musalla? If you pray without a musalla and use your hijab and you use it for your face when you make sujood, is that something that would be disliked? Obviously, you can't take it off, but if it's yani, just there because you're making sajda upon it, then we already said that any hat or amama, turban, or hijab does not need to be lifted to make yani, the sajda point. Okay? You yani, make sajda wherever it is. All right? Khan, Lala put up. What about a person who can't do sajda due to health reasons? We've spoken about that. Okay? And uh, a person who's sitting on a chair, for example, because they can't actually go down. So imagine they're sitting on the chair. This is how they make ruku'. They put their knee, hands on their knees. Then, Then, Allahu Akbar. They go further, a little bit more, keep the hands uh, separate, and they would put them in front and put their head down, and they would make subhanahu rabbi al-a'la. They do not bring something up. They do not put a solid, uh, they don't put a cushion there. They don't make prostration on anything physical. They do it in the air. They do it in the air. Um, as to the number of sajdas, doubt as to the number of sajdas, i.e. if it's the first or second, for example, from staying in the position for a while. Does one repeat the prayer, add a raka'ah, or perform sajda sahum? What do you think? So a person is making sajda for so long that they can't work out whether they're in the first sajda or the second sajda. Do another one. Correct. You would assume, therefore, if you can't work it out, that you've only done one, and then do another one. So that is either your second or it's your third. Okay? It's going to be either your second, and you were right, or it's going to be your third, you were wrong, and you've covered yourself. Then you have to make sajda sahum. Okay, at the end, you will make the prostration for forgetfulness. Um, if a person is closest to his Lord during the sajda and it makes sense to make du'a, would it, be would, it be would it be permissible to make du'a in another language? So, you know that I've spoken about this before. I believe it is permissible, but it should be avoided. And if it's to be done in English language, then it should be done in nafal prayer and sunnah prayer to take advantage of it. Sheikh yani he allows a person to do it in a father prayer without any restriction. He says, yani, go ahead. And although I'm, I'm not saying that the prayer is invalidated, I do want you to know that you've got to try to stay away from, you've got to try and yani, uh, encourage yourself to learn yani, the, the, the proper dua, the, the asal of the salah is in Arabic, is clearly that for a reason. Uh, but a person is allowed to, in another language, inshallah, to make dua in sajda, whether it's fard, whether it's sunnah, whether it's nafal, even though you should try to avoid the fard prayer. Would making dua for an elongated period interrupt the prayer? Uh, it's not going to invalidate it unless it becomes yani, so, so long that you're in sajda and it's completely out of line with the rest of the prayer. Like, you know, the, the, you're standing and your ruku'ah was like two minutes and you make a sajda for ten, this prayer is invalidated. This is a prayer which has no balance and it's, yani, people basically, they, they, they think you've died. So, I mean, you know, what you're trying to do, yani, trying to claim it's a prayer, doesn't make any sense. Okay? Mesa has confirmed that we have not covered the female salah and that's fine. Um... Most Desi ulama say that females, yeah, I know that they, they, they do that. And I think that that's a, an acceptable position in fiqh. I just don't think that it's the one supported by the evidence. And the majority of contemporary scholars are agreed on that. I think that's it, isn't it, Lala? Right, that's Solange. Uh, yeah, Rehan, it's not your fault, to be honest. Yeah, and now I'm going to put it on Shazad. Let me just put it here one second. 
112. Okay, I've done it, Rehan. Okay. Uh, the last one. What about elbows and arm positions? Demonstrate today for the session when a person sitting on the chair. I just did that, right? I just explained that right now. That, Yanni, it, 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 is, it is just like this. It doesn't need to go out further like this because you're now on a chair. You're not, Yanni, doing the same thing on the floor. So on the, on the uh, ruku' is like this, and for sajda, a little bit further, and that's it. Allah subhanahu knows best. We have class coming up in London, okay? Man, uh, uh, not this week, but next week. Make sure you go down if you're watching from London. Manchester, I'll be doing the tafsir of Surah Al-Imran, inshallah, March 22nd. Right, okay, so the uh, Usman has just confirmed that that's place, places are, are filling up quick, so you need to make sure you book that. And... Um, I will make this announcement. No, oh, we don't. Okay, no. So, okay. <laughs> okay, so we leave that announcement to the side. But the Hajj, by the way, if you're planning to go Hajj, then that is going to be filled up, I think, in the next four or five days. All right? So that's a warning for those for Hajj. The other announcement, when Lala feels happy that to make that announcement, then we'll get that, then we're allowed to do it. Tigana, I'm a rock. Cut the feed, Alaka. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>